0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, Benny. Good morning, Sam. Can you believe February's almost over? I know. (laughs) I am am ready for spring, but I just (laughs) can't believe how fast the year is going. It's blowing my mind. So for the last three weeks, we've been talking a lot about compassion and civility and how we need to be able to have hard conversations. And today we're gonna talk about another topic that I think relates really well, which is connections, the power of human connection and why it's so important. And I would actually argue that you can't really have true connection without also having compassion and civility. So I'm super excited about the guest I have today, and I'm gonna introduce her to you in just a few minutes. But first, I'm gonna jump into our heart-to-heart segment And for those of you that are new to the show, the Heart to Heart segment is really just a short segment where I talk about something that's been on my mind, my heart, maybe drop some food for thought for you all. A lot of times it will relate to a past episode that I did where um, maybe a guest said something that has really stuck with me and I have some more thoughts about it. So today I want to go back to last week's episode briefly. So last week I spoke with Kate Eisler from Be Bold. And my mind is still reeling from all the information that she shared around gender parity and the importance of having hard conversations. Um, I really loved the way she approached it. It didn't feel divisive at all. And it is, it, it can be a touchy subject with people. I just really liked that she presented facts. And I also really loved her focus of balance and belonging. And at the end, she talked about you know what can we do how can we get involved how can we make progress and she talked about you know if you don't know what to do <clears throat> just pull up a chair like just be willing to pull up a chair and i just have been thinking a lot about that visual i love that um just that idea of pulling up chairs for people or pulling up chairs for ourselves and so as you all know because i've been talking about this on the show um I have some real intention around having those hard, uncomfortable conversations that I've always avoided, and I just really feel like for maybe not the first time ever, but I really feel this renewed sense of wanting to learn and understand and have a table, have my table set for everyone, and there are enough chairs to go around. So one of the reasons that I mentioned last week that I really wanted to commit to having these conversations and learning more and understanding more um, is that I feel like I need to model that for my kids. And I really want my kids to not be afraid to be their unique selves, not be afraid to ask questions. I want them to be open to new ideas and be curious about other people's lives. And I want them to know that I'm curious about their life and their thoughts and opinions. In the beginning of the sh- uh, show um, not too long ago, I had Shea Bearfield on, and she talked about how one of the most important things that her mom did was ask her opinion. And she never devalued that opinion. She may disagree, but she didn't ever devalue that opinion or try to set her straight. And I just really think that that is um, really amazing. And I want to instill that in my family, too. And it's never too late. I mean, my kids are 16 and 18, and I'm you know, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're having those conversations and making sure that I don't unintentionally make certain topics taboo just by not welcoming certain discussions into my home. or And it, that could be directly or indirectly, right? I mean, it's not like I always say we will not talk about these things. I mean, I did share that sometimes I do when it comes to religion and politics, but that's going to stop. I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, but, you know, sometimes we can make topics off-limits just by being uncomfortable with them ourselves or avoiding it ourselves. We might unintentionally be sending a message that something is off-limits or not okay to discuss. You know, I was listening to a speaker a couple of weeks ago that told this story about a pregnant dog. Um, don't worry, it starts out as a sad story, but it, it's, it's okay. Um, a pregnant dog that was hit by a car and her hind legs were injured. And she did end up living, but her hind legs were never the same. And she sort of drug them behind her as she walked. And when she had her puppies and they started walking, they also were dragging their legs behind them when they walked. And so the owner was really worried and sort of confused. Why would this be happening? And he took them to the vet to get checked out. And the vet determined that their legs were totally fine. But they were doing what was modeled for them. Like they had been watching how their mom was walking and they started walking in that same way, even though their legs were perfectly fine. And this story really struck me because it made me really think about the conversations we've been having on the show lately and just thinking about what am I modeling? I mean, do I want my kids to drag things around like perfection, fear, worry, control, Do I want them dragging those things around them, behind them, everywhere they go? And of course, the answer is no. So in order for them to not drag those things around, I need to not be dragging them around in front of them either. So as always, I've talked a lot on the show, I am really working on releasing things that don't serve me and releasing things that are dragging behind me and holding me back from being 100% me and in my purpose. So here's your food for thought for the day. What are you modeling? Is there anything that you're dragging around that needs healing and release? And if you're having a hard time releasing it or healing it for you, can you do it for someone else that might be watching you and using you as an example in their life? And it doesn't apply just to your children. Really, it can be anyone. We all have people that are watching us and using us as examples. So just think about it this week. I know it's really gave me pause to think about what I'm modeling modeling and wanna model. Um, And I'd love to hear from you on social media. Hit me up on Instagram if you wanna talk about it. Okay, let's get into our interview today because it's gonna be a great one. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Kimberly Lane, who's joining us from California by phone today. And Kimberly is a life and leadership coach, public speaker, and new author, which is super exciting. So, Kimberly, are you there? I am. Good morning, Good Sam. Good morning. Just to sort of be there with you. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that we get to talk. And I um, I just want to tell everybody, because I do spend so much time talking about my love and affinity for heiress sisters on this show. And Kimberly and I actually are met through Aeris Sisters, just like Shay and so many other amazing women that have come into my life over the last few months. So I'm so thrilled to have you here. I'm really excited and grateful for the connection. And I would love for you just to start by telling us a little bit about you.
1: Wonderful. Yes. I do have to say it's Airis Sister has been just such a gift in my life as far as connecting me with just amazing women with great stories, great inspiration and doing great things with their life, such as you, right, Sam? So um, a little bit about myself. As you mentioned, I am a professional speaker. I am also an author. I've got a book coming out, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about yeah. uh, coming out this week, actually, which I'm excited it's about. so it's exciting. Connections. Yes, Connections Change Everything. I'm also a uh, connected leadership consultant and coach um, from a leadership perspective in the business world, but I'm really also on an overarching passionate about just improving connections everywhere. And I also work with women from a coaching perspective um, to help really coach themselves to better connect with themselves, which helps helps them to better connect in their life and and bring more joy to their life. So very passionate about connection, as you can can see. Um, Just, you know, from a passion perspective, other than connections, I am, and I do have a bakery. It's an artisan bakery. It's an e-commerce bakery because I'm just, I love the way when we sit down and have a meal, um, how much joy that brings us and how much it brings us together and we bond over sharing a meal. So I've taken retro recipes from my grandmother, my mother, my nana, and I um, sell indulgent Italian mascarpone cheesecakes, luscious layer cakes, um, and just it brings me so much joy to be able to bake for people and to put my love on their table. So that's a huge passion. Um, Always wanted kids, but... Kids, but that was not unfortunately my destiny. So I collect for kids. Right now I've got a little Shih Tzu named Sammy and he's just my little my little guy, just super smart. So um, as you mentioned, live in sunny California. Despite being born in the East Coast, I've been able to gradually move west to the sunshine. So just really a joy to be here today, Sam.
0: Good for you. Well, I love the diverse um, background that you have and I also am so glad that you talked about your baking because I, when I first met you, I thought, gosh, this is such an interesting person. You have this background in um, you know, amazing sales leadership experience, and now you're doing coaching and writing, and you also happen to be a beautiful baker. And I know because I looked on your Instagram feed and your website. So I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, we are going to take a short break. But when we come back, Kimberly, I we're going to dig into your new book and what real connection means and why it's so important for human beings. So everybody, we'll be right back. You are listening to the Imperfection Wins show on KKNW 1150.
2: This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you are building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the greater east side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R, build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R, build.com for urban restoration. Self-help, healing, spirituality, and more on Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Kimberly Lane, speaker, author, and coach, and as we just learned, artisan Baker. I love throwing that in. So, Kimberly, (laughs) I want to dig into your new book and, um, and your work around connection. So, tell me first, what's your new book about?
1: So, again, the name is called Connections Change Everything, and the subtitle is How Smart Leaders better connect through conversations, and it's about how to retain top talent. So I directed it towards leadership, but quite frankly, anybody can pick up that book because it's it's basic basic uh, tips, if you will, to improve connection in our lives. So you can take many of the tips, such as the lost meal, managing digital technology, how to have difficult conversations, which you, you talked about earlier, um, and improve your own relationship, whether it's with your spouse, with your kids, with a friend, uh, with a colleague, you know, or if you're a leader, with your people. So, you know, again, it, it was titled more towards directing towards leadership um, from my speaking perspective, but it's really there's tidbits in there for anybody who wants to build connection in their life um, with whoever. So,
0: mm. I mean, connection is really important for all of us. And I'm curious, you um, just for all of our listeners, how would you define connection? Because when I think of it, I think of. Um, of course, I tend to think of everything in relation to the heart, <laughs> so I I think of it as it's deeper than just sort of surface level. It's like a human connection, sort of a heart connection, um, and so I'd love to just, just to hear your definition. How do you find, define connection when you're when you're out speaking or in the book?
1: That's a great that's a great question, Sam. Um, and I think from your perspective, I, I agree. It, it's I'm so so passionate about feeling other people or a feeling a bond, and you're going to notice that when you're connecting with somebody, you kind of feel their heart, right? Mm-hmm. You you feel their energy, and you feel like you just shared a moment that that maybe you shared a cry together, a laugh together, a meal together, you know. But you you walk away feeling like you've touched somebody's life or they've touched your life or you walk away in a you know elevated mood, if you will, mm-hmm. or very thoughtful or introspective, but they've you've had some energy exchange, right? That's you're when you're using digital technology as a as an example, you know, it's a very logical interaction on a text or an email. But when you communicate with somebody or see somebody in person or call them up, that's actually an emotional exchange and that's mm-hmm. kind of the connection I'm talking about. You your heart to heart, and so there's an emotional exchange that mm-hmm. happens in a connection.
0: I love that, and I um, I can imagine just being in a corporate environment in my day job and spending my career in human resources. I can imagine how amazing it would be in a corporate environment um, for leaders to learn how to connect in this way with people. I think it would be really transformative, and I also agree with you. I think this sort of theory of connection applies to every human being. Um, We all want it. We all crave it. So um, but tell me, Kimberly, why is the important why? Why is this topic, the topic of connection so important to you? How did you sort of glom onto this?
1: Great question again. um, (laughs) So not to get too deep into my personal story, but I do share that in the first chapter of my book, uh, which is which I have a quote in the very beginning says everybody has a chapter in their life that they don't want to read out loud. Mm-hmm. and and what's yours. And so it's about being vulnerable. So I talk about um, how I had early childhood trauma at 10 years old. I was sexually molested by somebody our family trusted and I trusted. But then I was forced to keep that secret for over 27 years out of a threat by that person, right? And I became disconnected from my family because I was I couldn't share that secret. So you start blocking yourself off and isolating yourself so that you don't get in situations where you would Possibly share that information and threaten yourself, right? So, um, in an effort to come full circle and be more connected in my life, and I was fortunate to be able to have the strength to face that person and to deal with it, and to be able to share my voice and and my feelings and my all that emotion, but also importantly to share that and bring that, release that secret and share that with my family and, and to reconnect with my family. You know, I was always still living with them and at home, but I was disconnected emotionally and mm-hmm. really not, um, and avoiding them in so many ways. So having that ability to reconnect with my family just made me start thinking about how are we not, how are we forcing ourselves? Maybe you don't have early childhood trauma, but there's things we do on our daily basis that, that and that subconsciously separate us from other people. Mm-hmm. When we can and actually do have opportunities to change that and to have true human connection, even if it's just an, a minute exchange.
0: I I think that that is so true. And I think you're right. I mean, I, it, it's, you know, it's interesting listening to your story. And I do, I happen to know, you know, I read about it beforehand, and I met you in during my time in California. Um, so I did know a bit about your story. But it is interesting. One of the things that I have learned through this journey of just meeting people um, you know, I've talked a lot about how it's pushed me to go deeper into myself and um, am I really connecting? And I've always, I would always consider myself a connector. I'm a relationship person. But, you know, I think it's really easy in this world to sort of um, hold back you, who you really are and really only put forward the parts of yourself that you feel are acceptable. Um, and, uh, what I'm learning just through so meeting so many women with stories and I don't have childhood trauma, but I've certainly met a lot of women through this journey that do. And what I think is interesting is that everyone has a story. And like you said, it may not be of trauma. It may be a different story, but I think people can relate in general to compartmentalizing themselves or Um, carrying around some shame and guilt or, you know, beating themselves up for bad decisions, um, being hard on themselves and and holding back in their relationships. And I think one of the interesting things that I've learned through this journey, and it's a it's a progression for me, is just the freedom that comes when you are just yourself, when you sort of are just, you know, up front about um, maybe the places in your life you feel like you've made mistakes or you have regrets or you just are not holding back and you're 100 um, percent you and present in a conversation instead of trying to please someone. And there's so much freedom in that. So I think that um, what you're talking about is something that you're right. It, it's, it relates to a leadership perspective. It would be completely amazing and it also probably relates to every single person listening right now.
1: Yes. And, you know, I can go down so many different paths on that, on what you just shared. Um, if I focus just on the leadership perspective, what I kind of why I'm focusing on leadership, because I feel like right now, if I talk to leaders, I can make the, the quickest, fastest impact on the largest group mm-hmm. if I focus the leadership. For the reason being is um I kind of chuckle in my book. I talk about, you know, who remembers the block party in the neighborhood where, you know, everybody closed down the street and everybody brought something to share and kids are playing soccer or football or frisbee or um croquet okay or whatever it is. And parents are hanging around and there's some big jukebox playing or whatever. But there was that sense of community in your neighborhood and you knew, really knew your neighbors and, and talked to your neighbors. And now I kind of laugh and think, you know the version today, as we all sit in our homes on our iPad and we do a we do a FaceTime or a Zoom, yeah. or, you know, or a webinar with our neighbors, and we all have our you know microwave hot dog and cold beans. And right. I, you know that's an exaggeration, but I feel like the traditional venues of community we're not we're we're you know people of today or our generations that are following are not taking a part of that right and yeah. going to church where that was such a big community, not so much anymore right mm-hmm. so. And then kids are coming from broken homes, unfortunately, and you know moms working two jobs, so she doesn't have the time to be there for the for the meat dinner meal, or it's dad, the same thing. So the traditional areas where people have uh, get fed, a value affirmed, community connection is not there. So yeah. work, where you spend how much of your time, eighty seven percent of your life. Mm-hmm if that can become the new community place where they're getting fed from a value, from an appreciation from the community, you know, from a wellness perspective, what traditionally would have been in church or the block party, their neighborhood. So that's kind of why I focus on leadership. So if leaders can create yeah. that, uh, that's kind of where this, this process goes.
0: It's so, I mean, there are so many things that you just said that resonate with me and um, from a community perspective, Absolutely. It's absolutely true. And I'm guilty of it. I mean, I am guilty of keeping such a fast pace that, you know, I know some of my neighbors, but I don't, um, those are relationships that I built when my kids were small and they were outside playing, you know, and I, I wouldn't say that I have made all of this effort to get to know my neighbors beyond that circle. Um, and it really just is time. And you're right. It's it's time sucked up by technology and busyness and, and doing, um, having a life that is packed to the brim with obligations and responsibilities. And it makes it really hard when you're busy to connect, to slow down and connect. And I think leaders feel that, um, you know, in a business setting, leaders feel that so much. And I know that being a leader, it is my intention is, and I love connection and and relationships. And even for me, my intention is to connect, but the actions behind it and the reality of my day, um, doesn't, um, doesn't allow for it, or I don't, I don't allow for it, you know, in the way that I stack my day. So I think, um, it's really amazing that you're focused on leaders. And, you know, one of the things that I talked about in my speech on compassionate leadership was just the epidemic of loneliness. And, and we all know that loneliness is an epidemic in um, our country, but it also in our lives, but it also is an epidemic at work. And I think it's exactly what you're saying. It's because people are spending so much of their lives at work and they need that connection.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And I and I, I was guilty of it when I was in the corporate world. You know, you thought the thought of, oh, it'd be great to go to lunch with Sam today or Billy today, but oh, I'm so busy. I've got to sit at my desk and eat my lunch. I mean, you yeah. yeah. just naturally think it's, you know, I, I at least felt that doing something social, like going to lunch or having a cup of coffee or getting out of my chair and walking down the hall and having a conversation with somebody was a quote, waste of time, not yes. as productive as if I sat in my chair and plug through my presentation emails or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. just yeah. naturally assume that's the, that's the less that's, that's not an efficient use of your time. That's not the most productive. It's yeah.
0: It's so true. I actually had a funny experience um, in the job that I am now. There are like many, many different cultures. And one of the men that I work with, um, he's from Spain and it, we had a meeting set one day for 10 a.m. and we were meeting downstairs. We were going to go to the coffee shop and I was there, you know, at like 9.57 with my coffee, sitting down, ready to go. And he walks in and he um, greets me and he gets his coffee and he sits down. And by now it's probably like 10.05. And I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm about being productive. Right. So I'm like, we've got a list of things. Like I I always do the niceties like, Hey, how are you? Okay. Let's get to it. Right. And he sits down and I say, okay, like here's sort of the list of things I want to talk about today. And he looks at me so kindly and he says, Oh yes, great. And then he says, but first we have coffee. And he's like, it was like, Oh, Oh, I see. So we sat for like 10 minutes and had our coffee and talked like actually he asked me about my kids and my weekend and and then we jumped into what we needed to get done and you know what we got it done and yeah. i thought that is so lovely like for him my my urgency about it was really foreign you know and so i that resonates with me a lot now i haven't been great at instituting that in my own life, but I do think it's really lovely. Um, Okay, Kimberly, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk briefly about what happens when we don't have connection and then what are some things we can do to start to increase our connection with others. So we'll be right back, everyone. You are listening to KKNW 1150, the Imperfection Wins Show. Hey, everybody. It's me, Sam. Many of you know that one of my greatest joys in life is handing out small, perfectly imperfect wooden hearts. That's right, I said perfectly imperfect. These are the words that came to mind when I held one of these handmade hearts in my hand for the first time. These beautifully crafted, imperfect hearts are made by my friend Gary. Fate brought us together and ordering hearts from him and giving them to anyone who needs one has been a joyful part of my journey. The hearts serve as a physical reminder that things don't need to be perfect to be meaningful. Check out my website, samwilling.com forward slash imperfect hearts for the whole heart story to place an order or make a donation. 100% of the proceeds go towards the mission. Don't forget that's samwilling.com.
2: Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150.
0: Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Kimberly Lane, speaker, author, and coach. And we're having such an awesome conversation about human connection. So, Kimberly, before we ended, we were talking about the power of connection and why it's so important. And I thought maybe you could briefly just share what are the consequences of not having connection? What happens?
1: Well, um... And I'll, I'll, I'll cite some of the some of the research that I did, and in my book. And so, you know, research we're saying when we are frequently meeting or speaking and have meaningful connection with people is definitely a positive influence on our happiness and joy. And it's actually proven that being connected to a, a significant community, um, whether it's personally, you know, in your personal life or at professionally is just as much a risk factor in your life expectancy as diabetes, obesity, and heart disease, which was like, Mm. whoa. I mean, this has a huge impact on our happiness, number one, and our health and life expectancy. So that's that's like the high-level consequence of, of being disconnected. I think, you know, on a smaller level, we talked about already, you've talked about the isolation epidemic, which is another reason why I think the workplace has to be the community place. I think you're seeing incidents, high incidents of uh, suicide, higher levels of anxiety and depression. I mean, those are just, I just think a lot of that's coming from just the, the digital technology that is, we pretend or we think or assume we're having connected conversations over text and email, but in reality, it's, it's the emotions being removed, so we're not really connecting, we're just interacting, and I mm-hmm. think we're seeing the consequence of that in, in, in what I just referenced.
0: I love that actually that point that you made. We're interacting, but we're not connecting. I think yeah. that actually is what happens. I think that happens all the time. And it happens through social media and text and email and even face-to-face, right? Like, you can absolutely interact with someone and not connect with them. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. That's so like interesting. Yeah. Go ahead. You no, know, so, like,
1: your your situation, sitting down for coffee. copy...
0: If you just went through the business
1: interactions on agenda, that would have been a slight high-level connection, maybe, because you're connecting on a business level. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask how you felt when you actually left that conversation because you had connection over coffee, meaning he asked yeah. about your family, probably about your passion. And how did you walk away from that situation versus had it been the latter where it was just the business conversation, right?
0: Yeah. You know, I felt um... – I think I felt joyful. I mean, I felt like we were like, like we were friends, you know, and it it really, it was sort of a warm feeling and, and like funnily startling, you know, (laughs) because it's like so not how we're so used to like doing things and checking things off the list. It was really, it was a really lovely moment. And I do, um, one of the things that I do in my role, um, is I've always made it a point to go on walking check-ins with employees. And that is my opportunity to build connection with them. And, you know, employees, let's face it, they tend to be somewhat afraid of (laughs) interacting with their head of HR. And I find that it's really, um, it's amazing for the relationship. And it's amazing for me. So I'll usually schedule maybe quarterly an employee for a check-in. And I have no agenda on that check-in other than just asking them how they're doing. And sometimes we talk about their personal lives. Sometimes we talk about work. I ask them, you know, what are some things that we can do better? Um, And is there anything that I can help you with? And, you know, it's funny because when I do that, especially with more junior employees, initially they're sort of nervous and so I always have to preface the meeting invite with this is just a check-in I have no agenda truly you know I just want to check in with you and see how you're doing and after talking for about five minutes they tend to warm up and um and I think they really enjoy it and I love it it is one of my favorite things to do
1: and I think it's kind of you know, you're building trust with that person, but you just made an investment in them. You didn't have an agenda. You weren't trying to get something out of them. You just had an investment in them because you care about them and you had a check-in. And to them, that is such a valuable, warm, connecting, emotionally bonding. And so now they feel safe with you probably. And, And I know you're big on compassionate leadership. I think that's just so beautiful, Sam, that you take the time. That's just it's
0: just awesome. Mm, I love it's it. Different. And like I said, it's not always, I think the the more um, of the leadership role you take on in an organization, the more your time is pulled, right? The, the more, yeah. which I think is why it's so neat that you're focused on leaders right now, because I think, you know, the demands, like it takes a lot more um, effort and discipline for me to do those check-ins now than yeah. it did, you know, when I was an HR manager. You know, and it's just interesting, right, because I have a lot of demands and things pulling at me. Um, but when I do them, I feel like I'm my best self and I feel like it's the right thing. Um, but it is very difficult to carve that time out, you know. And I think a lot of leaders, one of the things that I um, I did sort of a social experiment with a few years ago, and I just thought it was so funny, is that, you know, um, when Like at a lot of companies, leaders walk around really fast, like very fast and very purposeful. You know, they've all it's like they've always got somewhere that that. they're late for or a next meeting or another call or somewhere. And everybody knows everybody in the whole company knows that they're really busy. Right. That's not a shocker or a secret. And so what I started to notice was that leaders would walk by. And this was before I was a leader. They would walk by employees um, and they'd walk by really fast, like on a mission somewhere. And then they would say while they were walking, hey, how are you? And they'd keep right. walking. And I started watching this and thinking, this is so interesting because why do you ask, right? Like, why are you asking how someone is? And then you keep walking. So like just about the per- time the person's about to tell you how they are, you're already gone, right? And they're right. like, oh. And so I started thinking about it and thinking, well, that's not authentic, right? Like you'd be better off. You'd be better off as a leader just saying hi Mm -hmm. and not asking, how are you? And if you are going to ask, how are you? Just stop. Like they know you're busy. They're not going to take that much of your time, but at least stop and look them in the eye long enough for them to say like, I'm doing great or whatever it is. Right. Or if you don't have the time, truly just say hi and keep walking. But it's so interesting, right? Because I think it be, it becomes our habit. It's like what you're saying about yeah. interacting but not connecting.
1: Yeah, nobody. It's it's almost worse if you ask yes. somebody a question and you continue walking. Yeah. And they turn around and they're talking to your back as you're <laughs> yes. walking out the door. That is like the most humiliating, devaluing thing you could do to somebody. Right. Yep. So because we all want to be heard, right? We we want our voice to be heard. We want our message to be heard. That's that's just not a good thing to do. You're no. like you said. You're better for to say and keep on walking keep right Keep on
0: walking yeah keep on going about your business yeah, yeah exactly. well yeah that's so um that's so interesting so i would love for you to share just what are maybe like three things that we can all start doing today to increase our connection with others
1: great and and i i really in my talks i really focus on these three things so the first one is 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 you know, again, managing your technology, managing your digital technology. So when when I'm sitting here talking to you, if we were in person and I had my cell phone, even if it was flipped upside down on the table, subconsciously you feel like you're competing with my cell phone for my attention because you know as soon as I get a beep or a text message, I'm going to be tempted to pick that phone up. So mm-hmm. it's about putting that technology away in a box. And um, the second piece of that is, and you know, it. You can't do this necessarily on every exchange, but I try to encourage people to take really three, three daily steps to better connection. So instead of texting somebody, whether it's an employee or a friend, take a minute to pick up the phone call. Pick up the phone and make a personal phone call and hear their voice. That's, again, an emotional connection versus the digital interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in the office, instead of sending a lengthy email, you know, get up out of your chair, walk down the hall, and go tap on someone's door. And by the way, on the way down you ask Sally, hey, Sally, how are you? And you stop, this is my other point, listen like you talked about and actually listen to Mm -hmm. what she had to say. And then you sit down in the other person's room and have a conversation, right? So it's about choosing to have an emotional interaction versus choosing to have a digital interaction, choosing emotional connection over a digital interaction. So that's kind of number one. The number two is what the listening part we just talked about is, um, I think Stephen Covey always says, A lot of people listen just to respond. And I'm going to challenge this audience to listen, to truly understand without an agenda. And that includes eye contact. That includes, you know, actively listening and asking poignant questions about what somebody just talked about, right, Mm -hmm. and validating them. And then the third thing I would suggest, and again, it doesn't have to be lunch, but just if you can, like you had in your uh, previous guest, pull up a chair for a moment. Mm -hmm. Pull up a chair and ask how somebody's really doing right and listen for if it's five minutes if it's three minutes doesn't always have to be a 30-minute conversation but I think just as you had mentioned when you take those times for check-ins with your employee you feel so much more joy and you're like you probably think am I not doing this more often Mm -hmm. and they're walking away with wow I can't believe Sam took that time and she invested in me and she cares I mean and I know as you get busy, the first thing you want to take off your list are those check-in points, right? Because they yep. are thinking, ah, oh, that's a waste of time. I can get through this, you know. But the reality is, if you take a step back, what that interaction has done for you or connection has done for you and that connection has done for them is so bigger than just a task you could have completed, right?
0: Mm-hmm. It's so true. And I love all three of those things. And the um, the technology one, oh, my gosh, that is such a hard one. and i you know i'm guilty of it i think everyone i know is guilty of it you know even with my own children you know i will be um they'll be talking and i will i don't even know know if i should admit this but i'm going to they'll be talking to me and i'm listening and i'm also on my phone and like we know from the research there's actually no thing such thing as multitasking right so i am at that moment not really listening and being present to them um And it's something that I'm really working on changing. And I think that technology piece is huge. Um, And I also loved what you said about actively listening. And we could do a whole show on active listening and what that actually means. Because I think so often when someone's talking to us, we will already be formulating our response to them while they're talking, instead of really focusing on what they're saying. And we have all these sort of, you know, we're seeing it through our own lens. And so I, I love that one, too. And another thing that you I read, um, and you talk about it in your book, and you've touched on it a little bit today is just through your baking is just the power of you call it breaking bread with each other. And um, I think that's a really beautiful concept um and something that we've sort of lost the art of. I mean, even having a family dinner can be challenging these days.
1: Yes, and um I think that's why I love to bake so much and I love to entertain. I just love to cook and have people over. It's just,
0: yeah.
1: It's just this energy and it's sharing, it's opening your home, it's it's being vulnerable, but it's relating, it's connected, it's just in and you know kind of taking it back to the business world. And I started thinking about this because I was really successful in sales and I started thinking about wh- why was I so successful in sales and what I would typically do. If I liked the person, if I didn't like the person, I wouldn't do this. I didn't care how much I wanted their business. But if I liked the person, I would say, you know, I'm in town. How about, you know, after, after our meeting today, when you get a moment, can we go out to dinner? I'm going to be in town. Let's get to know each other. And so I would get to know them and the conversation would be, not about business. It'd be about that person, what's important to them, their family, mm-hmm. and I would become friends with them. And as a result, I built trust, and then I would always get the deal.
2: Right. I mean, and it.
1: Um, and so obviously I had a product that was comparable too, but um, I would always get the deal. And I started thinking about what happens over a meal versus having a conversation in the office? Mm-hmm. And when when I'm in my office and somebody comes in to chat with me or I go to their office or we're in the meeting room, the topic is pretty much restricted to other uh, some niceties in the beginning, the topic right. at hand. You know? But if you invite someone out for coffee or, or get out of the office and go have lunch, all of a sudden the the, the topics open up. I mean, yeah. you're not talk politics and religion, but, yeah. you, know, the, you, you know, all of a sudden... You're not going to delve into business right away. You're going to be like, do some niceties. And then you get into, oh, I didn't know you played tennis. We should play tennis sometime. Or, oh, my gosh, you have a bakery? Kimberly, that's great. Can I I get a sample? So, I mean, it just naturally opens up. And I think in my book, I have a whole chapter dedicated to the lost meal because I think there's some there's you share an experience, you share the smell of the, the area, the smell of the food, mm-hmm. the the atmosphere, whether it's music or and the different energy, the people talking, or it was a great coffee shop and it was pouring rain outside and you guys had this great conversation by the fire, but you're sharing a bonded experience that, that just doesn't happen necessarily sitting in the office, right? Right. I think you take away with that. And so having, sharing a meal, whether it's a biscuit or coffee or a full-on bread. Just has this bonding experience. And I just think people underestimate what goes on and that chemical energy exchange that goes Mm -hmm. on in that bonding experience. And food is just a significant catalyst to that, I think.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting because it's something we all need, right? Like it's something that we all need and we can all relate to. And um, yeah. So tell me, um, so you talk a lot about vulnerability and imperfections, which of course, both of those things are super near and dear to my heart. Um, But why do you think that people respond so well to others showing vulnerability? Because I'll tell you, I really have found that in the way that even the Imperfection Wins show and brand has grown. Really, it has not been by my forcing at all. And what I hear over and over from people is that they um, just really appreciate that I'm vulnerable and I am honest about where I'm at. And it's been um, sort of scary to me in some ways and then also really freeing. So, So tell me, why do you think people respond so well? To others showing that vulnerability Mm -hmm. okay that yeah that can i could talk about in several different areas (laughs) so
1: um going back to my early childhood trauma you know going through that experience i felt like i was damaged goods right so i couldn't share that what happened to with anybody in my life you know or you know i mean it was just like i have to present the perfect
0: yeah
1: kimberly right so Mm -hmm. and i start feeling like i have to be perfect to be led to be perfect to be accepted but when I started sharing my story and other women would be like, oh my gosh, that happened to me, or my vulnerability, my fear, my anxiety, my depression, all that stuff. All of a sudden it was like, I'm I'm when I'm being less perfect, I am more loved. And mm-hmm. it's an awesome feeling, right? And I think it's because we all feel like I think we all have a level of insecurity and not feeling good enough or not feeling worthy. We all have that. And we're afraid if we show All of us, even the bad stuff or the insecure stuff, people are going to judge us and not like us. And I'm sure there will people that do that. But guess what? They're just as insecure as we are, and they just haven't come to the point where they're vulnerable enough to share their their side of themselves. They're still projecting that perfect person, right? But I think when you're vulnerable and you share something about yourself, I would say 99.9% of the time, somebody's sitting there and saying oh my gosh, I feel the same way. I like her. I can relate to her. I can connect with her. I feel safe with her. I think being vulnerable allows for safety and allows for connection and communication Mm -hmm. when you're just, you know, if two people are sitting there projecting their most perfect self, there's not going to be any connection there. There might be an interaction, but I just don't, I mean, it'd be hard pressed to have a really true emotional connection that you walk away from and see a, wow, that was beautiful. Right. And I really like this person and I, my, I'm, I've got to smile on my face now. Right.
0: Yeah. It's so you know what you're saying. I um, I think I always think about, you know, when I started to be very open about some of my own, you know, insecurities and imposter syndrome and all of these different things that. People who know me intimately, it probably didn't surprise. But from the outside, it surprised a lot of people. It was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, I thought you were organized. Or I thought you had it all yeah, together exactly. or whatever, right? Right, exactly. And uh, what I have found is that um, it that's sort of how movements start, right? It's like, okay, I go, and I'm uncomfortable, and I put myself out there, and I go. And then it gives someone else permission to do the same. And, yeah. um, and I think it's really a beautiful thing. So – I wanna to, um touch on before so we've got about nine minutes left, but I really want to you to talk a bit about the work, mm-hmm. the coaching work that you do with women specifically, because I know you have a philosophy around, you know, women having three natural talents. And um I think this is work that's so important and especially, you know, my last guest was um with B Bold Seattle, one of the co-founders, and really focused right. on women. I'm sure you heard it. And so this the the timing is so perfect for women to rise up and and have this coaching. And so, can you just talk about the work that you do, and then maybe tell us what the three natural talents you believe women have are?
1: I love to. love to. I'm ver- I love this topic. Um, so once a month, I do a seminar. It's free here locally and and um i'm I'm gonna start sharing it live on Facebook, but it's called, W to the Third Power, Women Winning Wednesdays, and it's an opportunity for women to come together professionally and personally because some of the topics are professionally related, you know, just like we talked about right here, the three uh, natural talents that women have as leaders, or it might be how to manage difficult people, and it could be family, it could be your boss. Um, So I really try to have a forum where women can come together and network, but then also have a safe place to talk about some of the issues in their life. And I usually start with, you know, a little bit of an education or a personal story to get people rolling. And then we, we go through that conversation. Um, I just, and I'm really big on us rewriting our tapes in our heads because we Mm -hmm. just have these if we could just turn off our brains sometimes or put a different tape in, oh my gosh, we, we would just. So true. step out of ourselves. Right. (laughs) And and truly accomplish what, what we're here to do. Right. So I really want to help women change those tapes and step into their true self and, and to really share their voice. And I think this is now the the uh, age of um, uh, divine feminism, where I think you're seeing this rise of a feminine energy, but it's also feminine energy as a, a leadership style, a relationship style, a team style. So mm. that kind of leads me into what are the three natural talents women have as leaders and, and women have in general. It's not, it's just that they, they fit very well as leadership, but th- that's really in our lives. And the three are in, intuition, high emotional EQ and the nurturing collaboration, um, ability to naturally bring people together, nurture and collaborate. So um, I think intuition, we all have that, that powerful intuition that um gives us so much insight into a situation, but I don't think we always tap into it. We push it down. We don't trust it. We assume everybody else's opinion is better. So if we can start tapping into that intuition and and trusting that gut, it'll start speaking louder and louder as we start trusting that. Because I think many times we're like, well, shoot, I should have listened to myself, right? Mm -hmm. And and that happens so many times. So if we can start trusting that. Number two, um, we have this high emotional intelligence that men don't have and that's what makes us great leaders like for example there's a uh, i talk about there was a study at mit and they had thousands of people men and women various iqs and they put them in sets of eight people combined men and women and various iqs and had them complete a series of tasks uh, uh, uh online or in groups you face to face and at the end of the study they looked at which group completed the projects and tasks with the highest success rate. And it's with those groups with the highest amount of women. And the ones that scored the best at the top were those with the highest amount of women who also had the highest ability to read the emotional um, feelings or awareness of the people in the group that scored the highest. And so we just have this great ability, and I don't think we really leverage it. Again, it Mm -hmm. kind of goes back to your gut, but our ability to mostly be aware of others is Huge, right? Yeah. Um, and I would
0: say um, it's, you know, we haven't leveraged it and it hasn't been valued like it's finally right. being valued now. It's so interesting because I can think back to, you know, I've been in human resources for over 20 years and I um, I can think back to, you know, even 10 years ago being in situations where I was asked to provide some coaching to an employee or a leader to a female and the they people would come to me you know their manager and would say well she really needs some coaching she's too you know she's just too emotional and it's so funny because now it's like she's emotional you're darn right she is like yes right. and that's how we're going to move things forward you know is to have that passion and caring and emotional being being able to connect and build relationships so i think i'm so happy that it's being valued, and that there's research being done, um, and, you know, that we are able now to to begin talking about things like connection and compassion in the workplace. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that's really important.
1: Exactly. And then the third one is the nurturing collaboration. And I don't know if we have time for this, but... Um, There's a great book. It's called Women and Intimate Geography by Natalie Angelier. And she talks about the difference between chimpanzees and bonobos. And we as humans are 98.7% closer in DNA to both of those. But I think for the majority of us, because scientists in the past were male, they would only compare us to the chimpanzee because they were male scientists. And versus the bonobo is a very female-driven society. The chimpanzee is a very male-driven society, that's based on competitiveness, only one person at the top, and they will eat and kill anybody that threatens them, right? And it's very it's very much me by the, myself at the top, you know, kill or be killed. Um, and that, I think, was traditional business, right? right? And versus the bonobo is a female-led society, and the females will gang up on any person, male or female, that is that is out of line mm-hmm. and kindly put them back in their place. It's a very nurturing, collaborative They help each other out. They're about love, not war kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. And they welcome anybody that appears to be a threat. They welcome them in with love first until they prove otherwise versus a chimpanzee will immediately consider them a threat and isolate them or try to kill them or or whatever. So I think in this whole divine feminine, this whole next decade, you're going to start seeing that, you know, that's why we're seeing the acceptance of emotional um, intelligence in the workplace or coaching and nurturing and women as leaders. And so, that I we just have that natural ability to yeah. collaborate. We choose to collaborate and bring people in versus being ultra competitive yes. and isolating, right? We're gonna give people I think women in general were a little more forgiving and um embracing. And I think that's just a beautiful, yeah. beautiful gift. And I'm excited to see this, you know, manifest in the next decade here.
0: I agree. Um we could just talk forever about the subject. But we, we don't can. have forever. We only have a minute and a half left. So Kimberly, will you tell everyone how they can connect with you and how they can buy your book?
1: Wonderful. Um, best thing is just look for the Kimberly Connection Company. Uh, you can Google that or go to Kimberly-Lane, dot com. You can buy my book. It's going to be available on Amazon this coming Wednesday, which I think was when this podcast released. And for the next week, I'll have a $0.99 cent Kindle promotion. So just go to oh, Amazon great. and Google uh, Connections Change Everything, You can even just Google connections, change everything. It'll take you to my website and you'll see the book there, which will give you the link to Amazon. So um, would love to help anybody out there that wants to feel more empowered, to share their voice, to be, you know, a strong woman, or just to be more confident in your own shoes. I just am passionate about helping women. And Sam, I am just so thankful to have met you through Eris and then just to be a part of your Imperfection Wins because I think what you're doing is just beautiful, inspiring, and
0: amazing. Well, we'll end on that note. Thank you, Kimberly and everybody. I hope you've enjoyed it. Have a great day. I'll see you next week. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace. Have a great Monday.